Welcome, listener. This is the Pick 4 Podcast. I'm your host, Mark. Four, three, two, one. Each week, we pick a topic and then pick our four best answers. You can go to pick4podcast.com for social media outlets to email the show, get a look at the whole show catalog, and get a good look and information on routine guests, which are my friends, and they are all awesome. But for right now, let's go. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Hey, everybody. What? Is it not been an awesome week or what? Hopefully, uh, you're listening on a Thursday. Your week has been terrific. Um, as this comes to you over the uh, internet waves, I'm wandering around somewhere in the woods of Colorado. So that's why I'm saying this week has been pretty terrific. Sorry to rub it in. Needed a break. Thanks for checking in again. We are coming to you from M Squared Studio. We're a member of Let Me Know Productions, which includes not only this internet ro- uh, program, but having said that with Landry Griffith, Win, Loser, Tie, hosted by Ty King. And uh, this week, we are brought to you by Chico's Bail Bonds. Chico's Bail Bonds has been your doorway to freedom and the sponsor of youth sports in the San Fernando Valley area for over 45 years. Call us today or sit in jail. The choice is yours. Let freedom ring with Chico's Bail Bonds. Thanks for entertaining my uh, silly... uh, movie idea my fake ideas the ideas are real but the places are fake anyway okay today we're gonna do uh got some questions through email got some questions over instagram some people said some incredibly nice things that i probably don't deserve some will be read today because we'll need some context some won't We're going to play a little Ask Me Anything here. So we're going to go through these questions. I'll give you the answers to the best of my ability. Whether they're uh, up to your standards or not is for uh, you to decide. Okay, so we'll, we'll lead off with the email questions. Because I love email questions. It keeps everything nice and organized. I appreciate when folks do that. Uh, First... Ty from Lubbock, long-time listener, big fan. He's going to ask these three questions and then hang up and listen. (laughs) Okay, first question that Ty asked is, uh, what's the best Western movie you've ever seen? Well, that, uh, I had to put a lot of thought into this. Um, I'm a big fan of Western movies. Some of you are going to get upset. John Wayne, anything is not going to make this list. I have my issues with John Wayne. You're welcome to ask me. I will tell you off the air. We're not going to talk about it here. I'm going to talk about Westerns in two different categories. The first category being Westerns that star Clint Eastwood. I think that's its own category. That's his wheelhouse. Some of those are some of the best movies in Western cinema lore. I think um, my two favorite of his would be The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly and The Unforgiven. Uh, Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is an epic tale of everything involved in Western. It's like four hours long. It's ridiculous. Um, it tells a terrific story of a treasure that's allegedly buried in a cemetery. There are three guys who are after it. All three characters are amazing. The uh, movie score is one of the most famous in, in history. Sergio Leone directed it. That's another famous uh, cinematic name. I think we have to do Clint Eastwood on its own because... Uh, that needs to be its own category. And really, um, at some point down the line, we're going to have a pick four episode that are, uh, we're going to pick four Clint Eastwood movies, but that's down the line. So I don't want to get too deep into that. The other ones I have written down 
three are probably things you would consider true Western movies. One of those is Tombstone. One is the 310 to Yuma, the most recent one, the remake. And the third one is Django. Tombstone, uh, most of us grew up with iconic actors playing iconic characters, uh, classic lines that have lasted through uh, the last, however old that movie is now, probably 25 years now. <laughs> My, not only does Val Kilmer, who plays Doc Holliday, have some of the best lines in, in movie history, I think the f- my favorite line in the whole movie, uh, Kurt Russell, who plays Wyatt Earp in the movie, is Dylan Farrow at the saloon that he's part owner of. And uh, a couple of the uh, cowboys, the bad guys, come in. And Powers Booth character is uh, standing over Ike Clanton's shoulder, and Ike is uh, giving Wyatt Earp the business about, you know, we don't we don't need you around here. The law don't go around here. While Wyatt is dealing Pharaoh, Powers wins a pretty good hand, and as as Ike is looking at Kurt Russell over the table and telling him, "Law don't go around here," and Powers Booth, who maintains eye contact with Kurt Russell gives a wry little grin as Kurt Russell is paying him out for that particular hand and he just says shut up Ike (laughs) it makes me laugh just to uh, even say it out loud on a podcast Uh, the 310 to Yuma remake with uh, Christian Bale Um, dang it Uh, what's uh, uh, with Christian Bale Russell Crowe uh, one of my favorite, uh, not necessarily like leading actors, uh, his name is Ben Foster, plays Charlie Prince. Um, that movie's about, um, how do we want to live? Redemption, I guess. Um, you know, at the very end of the movie, uh, Russell Crowe's character is uh, a- approaching the train that's going to take him uh, to the federal prison in Yuma. And Christian Bale's character is having to fight off the rest of of Russell Crowe's gang. You know, Russell Crowe's inspired and actually helps him out and helps him get himself on the train and then actually helps defend and and ward off the gang as they're trying to shoot the place up to break break, uh, Russell Crowe loose. Spoiler alert, Christian Bale dies. But he he did so and... uh, a respectful, uh, trying to live up to an expectation so that his, his son knew that he could stand up and, and uh, do what he said he was going to do. Uh, two other ones that make the list that you might not consider Westerns in, in true Western fashion. They're two of my favorite movies ever. No Country for Old Men and Hell or High Water. Uh, no Country for Old, for old Men is... Uh, a Coen Brothers movie. Uh, love those guys. Love that work. Javier Bardem um, makes a terrific bad guy. The cast is great. Tommy Lee Jones. Josh Brolin plays Llewellyn Moss. Uh, Woody Harrelson is in it. Stephen Root, who is another one of my favorite actors who's not necessarily a leading guy. You know, the, the setting is late 70s early 80s far west texas so the time frame may not fit what we think of as a western but i think with the um the landscape and environment and multiple bad guys and multiple shootouts and bounty hunters i think you could you could get away with calling it a western and not get made fun of uh hell or high water kind of the same thing it's set um you know Modern day, the story is supposed to take place here in the West Texas area. It was actually shot in uh, New Mexico over in Clovis. Um, Chris Pine, Ben Foster again. Um, Jeff Bridges, uh, terrific terrific characters. That's a Taylor Sheridan movie. Um, Taylor Sheridan, some of you, I know lots of you are Yellowstone fans. Uh, Yellowstone is a Taylor Sheridan production. 
Uh, Hell or High Water is a Taylor Sheridan production. Both Sicario movies and uh, Wind River are all Taylor Sheridan production. I like most of anything he puts out. But the original question, what is the best? We'll go with Unforgiven. It's that good. Uh, I think it won an Academy Award also, so... I can't be that wrong if it won an Academy Award, right? That's what we'll say anyway. Okay, second question. Ty asks, if you could be a master of any skill, uh, music, athletics, artistic, etc., what would it be? Um, I think you hit the nail kind of right on the head there with uh, your choices. I think it would be music. I envy people who are are terrific musicians because it to look at it and understand how you get from that particular instrument instrument to making a sound that's worth listening to I don't understand it at all it makes no sense to me music as you look at it is its own language uh, you know each symbol represents a particular sound and that sound varies depending on where in the scale it is and how close those symbols are together it's like reading an alien language so music and math i think falls in that category too but that's not what we're talking about i don't want to be a math master i'd much rather be a musician master um i'm I'm jealous of you folks that are musically inclined i'd love to be able to do that who knows it may end up being a hobby i have to be careful about saying those things um ty asked question number three how do I make my podcast better? The listenership that does not overlap, Ty, of course, has his own podcast, Win, Loser, Ty, comes out on Fridays. Ty, number one, your podcast is amazing as it is, and if you change nothing ever for the rest of the time you do it, I will listen to every episode. Number two, maybe... If you were wanting to perhaps uh, explore ideas about how to make it better, maybe it's time to expand. So maybe uh, let's work on getting multiple guests, which means we may have to invest in some more equipment. Um, Maybe let's invest in an actual website. Um, Maybe let's... Even I think yours is to the point where you. I think you need to start entertaining uh, offers for advertisements and sponsors. I think you're there, man. Oh, I love Ty. I'm going to tell another story about Ty here in just a minute. Um, okay, emailer number two. Landry Griffith, and the other, the third uh Head, the third head of the Cerberus podcasting uh, demon dog. Landry wants to know, what is the greatest baseball moment as a player? Um, Playing in the state championship game was awesome, even though it didn't uh, turn out like I wanted it to. We lost to Mount Pleasant by a run. Uh, that was awesome, though. I'll always have that. Um, that same year, that would have been 1993, uh, that same year, early in the playoffs against, uh, Canyon Randall, I had a game where I had four hits, um, went four for five with, uh, two runs, two RBI, so my, my box score was, like, pretty crooked there, it was five, two, four, two, um, and then I had another, I had a double header when I was playing at Frank Phillips. Uh, we were playing Midwestern State. We had to drive from Borger all the way to Wichita Falls. I had, for the day, I went five for eight with four runs and four RBIs, with, and that included two doubles and a home run. Um, it was a good day. I was sick as shit that <laughs> we had to stop. Uh, I, I don't know, every 45 minutes so I could go to the bathroom. Uh, it was awful, and I'm no, I'm sure everybody hated me because it took, you know, two hours longer to drive all the way to Wichita Falls than it should have. 
Um, but that it turned into a pretty good day. Uh, Landry also wants to know what is the best, um, greatest moment as a coach. Um, there's probably not one specific moment because none of the teams I coached were particularly good. Uh, some of the ones I was coaching early on were good. We had some really talented kids. Uh, Nick Hanslick played on one of my uh, 13, 14-year-old teams. Those teams that uh, we coached that uh, Gentry was on were, were always pretty good. We always had really good talent. As we got older, the talent kind of spreads out and does different stuff, so we didn't ever have a real strong team like any of the friendship summer teams or uh, even Ripley as he was coming up when I was coaching him. I would tell you the best moments, though, multiple ones, are when you get to see kids succeed for the first time. Uh, if you've got a kid that uh, hasn't really mastered hitting the ball yet the first time he really puts one in play and not only putting it in play but when you put it in play and get on base <laughs> the excitement level ramps up from you know if we're talking about a scale of one to ten it ramps up to about a 26 and sometimes they have a hard time keeping focus but it's fun and it's awesome um the first time you see a kid actually score that hasn't been on base before, those are awesome. The first time you see a kid, you know, make a throw that he's never made before. Any of those first, just the shock and awe on their face and then the elation, or it's stuff that, that rides with you for a long time. Uh, Landry also asks, what is the biggest regret in my life? Oh, uh, man, there's a lot to choose from there. Um, I would say... Probably right up there uh, would be not taking college any more seriously than I did. I got that. I was not ready to be in college on my own. I, I coasted through high school. I did just enough. I mean, I got pretty good grades. I didn't try particularly hard, but I didn't yet know how to uh, be on my own and focus and work. I actually do those things with a, a level of individual responsibility. Nobody was really riding on my butt about going to class, and so I kind of quit going. Um, I'll always regret that. Um, I'll always I'll regret not hugging my kids more. I've said that on a podcast. Um, I've always been pretty uh, goal oriented, uh, and not to say that. No, I'm I'm not saying I never hugged them and never told them they did great or whatever. I'm just saying. As I look back, I just wish I had done it more uh, without really having a reason. Um, you know, your kids, why Why would you not just hug them just to say, man, you're, you're, I love you and I think you need a hug right now. As I've gotten older, particularly the last four or five years, uh, I realize now that I wish I could have been a, a better and more supportive friend up until this this point of real realization lately i'll regret this one's kind of goal oriented we went to colorado a few years a few years ago and uh climbed mount elbert which it's one of the 14s uh, 14,000 footers there in colorado i didn't get all the way to the top um we got really close um but we didn't spend a day or two to acclimate to the elevation when we got there we got there made camp got up the next morning and took off and by the time we got to about oh, we were pretty close to the top thirteen thousand plus feet i mean we were almost there it felt like my head was going to split open just for, i'm sure from altitude and exhaustion and i just had to stop so uh, Shane went on to the top. Chris and I hung out right there and waited for him to come back down and uh, turned around and went back down to camp. Um, I wish I'd have finished just to say that I did. Uh, fully plan on maybe. <laughs> fully maybe. Um, I plan I, I plan on going back and actually completing it. I'll, I'll be, I'm in better shape now than I was then. I know more about it now than I did then. Um, I could do it now. I, I, I know I could. Uh, let's see. What is the, uh, Landry also asked, what is the best moment you can remember? 
uh, let's take out things like, uh, you know, the birth of your kids and and meeting my significant other, Mindy. Uh, I think those are givens. Uh, that, that'll be everybody's answer that, you know, participates in, in those that has kids or has a significant other. I won uh, $1,200 in a pot uh, at the poker table at Bellagio a few years ago. I made four of a kind and, and led the betting. There was one other person in the hand, and they were had <laughs> they they had flopped a full house. But the full the, them flopping the full house meant that I flopped four of a kind, and nobody at the table knew me. I just kind of played dumb and and you know check raised and and called bets and strung along and little rays uh you know on the river i play i the guy that that i beat actually told me when we were done he was like you played that exactly perfectly to keep me in the hand because the problem is when you get locks on hands like that you sometimes don't get anybody get enough people involved in the pot to really make any money out of it it was just dumb luck that my four of a kind also meant that he had a full house Full house is pretty strong, so of course he's gonna. There's no way you could anticipate really me having four of a kind. So I, he said I played it perfectly. I was appreciative of that, and I took home a nice. Well, I didn't take it home. It allowed me to gamble for another couple of days. Uh, paying off student loans, man, that felt great. Um, back when I worked in New Mexico for a year doing uh, working for a property management company, it was actually. Uh, for Landry's dad, actually. During that time, we had to, uh, as uh, regional managers, we had to take these um, accreditation courses that went along with the types of properties that we managed, which were um, tax credits, uh, 202 and 808 PRACs, which that means project rental assistance contracts. That just means the government... Uh, pays a portion of your rent, but you have to meet certain qualifications to be able to to rent those spots to start with. Um, in those uh, qualification, the certification courses, uh, the tax credit course specifically, it's a LIHTC specialist course. It means low income housing tax credit specialist. I'd been there the shortest amount of time by far of any of the regional managers. And I made the best score in <laughs> in the uh, tax credit course uh, for sure. And then uh, the other the other two were easy, but that tax credit course was hard. Um, I thought it was pretty awesome that I didn't entirely know what I was doing, but I made the best score out of all of us. Um, selling some pieces at some art shows I've done that's always a good feeling. Uh, and then outside of that, though. Um, the folks that ask me to do personalized art projects, that always is great. Um, I did one for, for the uh, Cottons recently. It turned out great. I think they're happy with it. Uh, I've done one for Kristen McDonald. Uh, I like hers. I've done one for my mom. My mom's got a lot of my stuff, though. Um, Ty, Ty's piece was a, a personalized one. I'm really proud of that one. I think he and he likes it also. He's talked about it before. I've done personalized stuff for Landry, in fact. Uh, your giant pieces on your living room wall. Um, that's always a good feeling with people. You can do stuff that's that's personalized and specific to those people that are your friends. Landry goes on to say, uh, you think differently than anyone I've ever met in my life. What made you view life the way that you do as far as accepting... Uh, any and all walks of life and have I always thought this or is this new uh, one I appreciate you saying that um, two I didn't grow up thinking that way you know when you're young you're surrounded your opinions reflect the people that you grow up with and have the most influence on you now a lot of times that carries over through the rest of your life but sometimes that uh, it needs to change it has to change in my case it it did um one set of my grandparents were especially racist they uh 
my grandmother specifically had a problem with a, a doctor who was um, of Indian descent, uh, being from India. Uh, she called him <laughs> the most derogatory uh, name that at the time I had heard. This was a long time ago. You know, that changed th- those things that and we even had some as I look back, some racist conversations at our house growing up, but we didn't realize then how racist they were. Um, but once you, you get older and you get some distance and you meet new people, particularly like my kids are at the, you know, Ripley's at college now and Charlie's going to be right behind him. You go to college and you meet this whole new set of people that you, you know, it's not the same people that you've, gone to high school with for four years and everybody knows who you are and they expect you to be this one thing and you only know these particular sets of things about them they only know particular things about you and it's almost impossible to change going to college changes all that it gives you a chance to wipe it wipe the slate clean and start all over and you can kind of reinvent yourself now in doing so that allows you to meet these groups of people really from all over the country that you would never have otherwise met and had conversations with. And that changes your view of, you know, particular race, uh, races, people of different races, people of different religions, people of different political backgrounds. Uh, You get just a flood of information that you then have to learn to kind of sort through and pick out the things that you think reflect your values too. Uh, I will also tell you that having worked in the low-income housing market, uh, that made a big impact also. In some of those training courses, uh, we had one specific trainer who did multiple courses, and he was great, and I wish I could remember his name and the company name. It's been north of 10 years now. There's no way I could recall that. But his description of it always stuck with me in the in. The way he described it is, as he was making this point, he said he would ask us, uh, what, you know, give me some similarities between people that live in low income housing and people that live in, you know, 6,000 square foot houses. And, you know, people would throw out ideas. Nope, that's not right. No, well, that's a good idea, but though that's not the point I'm trying to get to. And then he would say, so tell me some similarities between. Uh, people with disabilities and people who are, you know, fully physically capable. And, you know, people would throw ideas out. Well, that's a good idea. No, that's not it. You know, no, nice try. That's that's a good answer, but that's not what I'm looking for. And it boils down to all of those people are, in fact, people. And you have to treat people with dignity and respect regardless of their economic status, regardless of their uh, age, regardless of their mental ability, regardless of their social status, people are people across the board. And if you treat you know, one set of people differently than you treat another set of people, that's how you start uh, creating problems. So that has always stuck with me, you know, 11 years later. And once you kind of open your mind to that, uh, to being objective about how you look at people, uh, how you look at, you know, anything. Once you learn to look through this objective lens, it gets easier and easier to make sure that that lens, uh, your field of vision for that lens increases. So it's not, it doesn't stay specific to one category. You, you start to apply that objectivity across the board. And that's what I, I try to do. I feel like I do a pretty good job of it. Uh, some things I'll take a stand on. For God's sakes, men have no business wearing flip-flops. That's one. You know, don't put ketchup on eggs. That's the other. But uh, I'm being ridiculous, of course. Uh, Landry went on to say something incredibly nice, and I answered him privately. Um, it makes me uncomfortable to <laughs> to get compliments and, and to hear complimentary things about me. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because, you know, I in my 
lizard brain. I think I'm undeserving or uh, I don't know how to explain it. I, it just makes me uncomfortable. And I, I'm not going to read what he wrote, but Landry, no, I appreciate it. And I, I answered you and uh, I love you forever. Okay. On to the next one. Um, Mindy actually emailed me some questions. Um, she wants to know... What's the thing that I love most about my sweet mom and each of my offspring? She goes goes on to say, a wise man once told me, sometimes they need to hear it. And what better place than recorded here on the podcast for everybody to hear? I don't know what my wise man you've been talking to, but maybe we need to have a conversation later. No, I'm just playing. Uh, let's see. My mom, for those of you that know her, has the most giantest, humongous heart and is always willing to help. Uh, sometimes to the point that it gives her stress because <laughs> she's taken on so much. Um, but my mom will always a offer to lend a hand and B, if you ask her for help, uh, you're going to get more than you bargained for. I, I pretty much promise that. My kids, oh, let's see. Ripley, even though he might say otherwise, because he likes to uh, play this game where, um, you know, he calls himself my mini-me, which we are. We look a lot alike and we act a lot alike. But our personalities, when you boil it down, are really pretty different. For regardless of what he might say out loud, Ripley loves being a part of the group. And I'm envious of that because I can't maintain that uh, that level you have to get to, to to be really engaging and be positive. Because he is. He's a super positive kid. Uh, he's always growing up when I was coaching him. He was always, he wasn't always the best player. Rarely was he the best player, in fact. But he was always the best teammate. I, I've said this to a couple of people. He's the best teammate of any kid on any team that not only that I ever had, but that I'd ever really experienced in coaching youth, youth sports. He was always... At practice, you know, as kids kind of trickle in, you know, hey, Steve, what's up, man? Hey, buddy. Hey, Jerry, what's going on, guy? Raw, raw, leading the cheers when he was playing football. He was always on – if while the defense was on the – he didn't ever play defense. He played offense. So, while the defense, while the defense was on the field, he was, like, leading the cheer on the sidelines. And you could hear him across the entire stadium, getting everybody fired up, regardless of uh like when his team scored he was always the first one down there to go con congratulate the the kid that scored the best teammate i'd ever seen and i'm envious of that cuz i i can't do that ripley also has zero problem uh getting up talking in front of people now i uh, i can do that too it doesn't bother me at all um and i like to think that i i help steer him in this direction being able to do this um but you know he led his own uh youth group at church for a while um when he was uh 16 i think the wolferth chamber of commerce asked him to come and be like the keynote speaker at their uh, national day of prayer breakfast he did that um right before this podcast started he uh sent uh a picture of himself in the in the radio studio at, at WT up in Emer in Canyon. Uh, he's putting together a radio program up there. <laughs> so he's got no problem talking in front of people. And I love that. Good job, son. Charlie. <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. But she will understand when I say this. Uh, if there's an anarchist revolution, Charlie is going to be the leader. This is entirely my fault, um, but I, I'm not disappointed in it at all. Charlie will stand up and has her own voice 
for things that she believes need to be addressed. I didn't have this at 17 and 18. Um, really, I didn't have it until I was <laughs> in my 30s. So that, you know, that she can be A, a female, and B, 17 years old and not have a problem addressing people. Now, it's not ever a disrespectful manner. She does it in, in a uh, respectful, um, but still like forceful when it needs to be manner. Uh, she understands her voice and I, I love it. I don't worry about her getting bullied, railroaded, uh, you know, lots of dads, you know, I'm not into like the cliched joke. So, you know, dads that say, well, you know, first boy that my daughter brings home, I'm meeting you at the door with a shotgun. A, that's stupid. You're not going to threaten a kid with a shotgun. B, I don't worry about that because my daughter knows exactly who she is and exactly who she's uh, okay associating with and who she's not. And she's not going to bring anybody home that doesn't have any business walking through the door. So I don't worry about that. Charlie, I love you. You're amazing. How about them apples? Okay. We're through with email questions. Man, this has already gone a lot longer than I thought it would. Let's go to some uh, Instagram comments. We love when people have Instagram comments. I, I say that facetiously, but actually I do. Okay, Sonny Jones asked, um, maybe you'll share this, but what is your biggest fear? Well, strangely, there's been a Fears and Phobia Pick 4 podcast. Uh, I will go ahead and go over those again. I am not particularly fond of water i'm not very good in the water i'm not comfortable in the water yes i hold my nose when i jump in i don't care make fun it's okay uh i do not like crowds at all they make me incredibly uncomfortable i don't like walking around barefooted and i for sure don't like other people touching my bare feet uh that's a no-no yes i have vulnerability uh vulnerability issues i guess so what also uh if you're barefooted or if you're wearing flip-flops you can't get up and defend your family you can't run for sure don't lie don't lie you cannot run in flip-flops quit lying i don't i don't know if it's a phobia or not i don't walk in between parked cars when one of those cars is not the one i'm getting into and i will never as long as it's unavoidable or as long as it's avoidable. Uh, I will never walk in between cars that are parked, like in parking spaces in parking lots that are parked nose to nose. I will never walk in between those two cars for any reason whatsoever. That's ridiculous. I don't know how people can do that. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, okay, now I need to, do, to give you some context here. Okay, I was... Ty had me on his podcast, um, as you listen to this, it'll be a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about, we had just gotten done, I had worked on a movie set with his friend who is the writer and director of this particular movie, his name is Adam Stone. Ty had me on, we talked about uh, working on that movie, because Ty had a, uh, a role in that movie, he played... Uh, a therapist named Dr. Watts. I worked on the crew portion, um, lighting, uh, you know, grunt work, pick stuff up, move it over here, learn this, learn that. So Ty's friend is Adam. Adam is incredibly talented, the nicest guy you'd ever meet. Everybody on that entire set was friendly, helpful, amazing. Adam, uh, <laughs> Adam asked... Why are you so awesome? Everyone on set was talking about what a great guy you are. And it's the truth. You got a great heart, my friend. Keep being amazing. A, those are incredibly kind words. I appreciate it immensely. But B, it's it's super easy for me to come across that way when everybody that I was working with was that way as well. Helpful, uh, friendly, upfront. There, there was, as far as I know, 
Nobody had any issue with anybody else. And when you're talking about working with a group of, uh, you know, 10 or 12 people, some of your friends, some of your not, I was brand, I knew nobody when I walked up to that place. Ty had messaged Adam, um, asking if Adam needed any help when they got ready to shoot. Adam said, heck yes. Adam reached out to me, sent me the schedule, said, hey, be here at this time. I went and worked for two days. It was amazing. I didn't know a soul there, though, and that's completely out of my comfort zone to go out and just uh, <laughs> walk up to a group of strangers and say, hey, what's going on, guys? Um, I'm here to hang out with y'all. The movie is called Just Like the Butterfly. It'll be a short film. It'll be out. It'll be a few months before it's out. It's, it took, uh, what, four days to shoot. Um, Adam is busy with other movie and uh, video projects um so it'll take some time to get it edited and put together but when it when it comes out i'll be sure and promote it anyway but if if you don't catch it as i promote it be sure to find it somewhere uh okay now i told adam that i'm going to tell this story because i i meant to mention it when i was on ty's podcast and i just flat forgot we we talked about movies and all kinds of things and i just completely forgot my attitude while I was there working on the movie set, <laughs> in all honesty, was don't fuck anything up. Don't fuck anything up. Just stay in your lane. Don't do more than you need to do. Don't fuck anything up. Okay? Adam uh, asked me to run the slate, which the slate is, uh, you know, as you watch behind the scenes footage of stuff, it's, the, uh, it's a little dry erase board that's got the lever on top that you... Uh, you know, push down. People call it the clacker or the clapper, and you you push it down, and it, you know, you get the uh the clap noise that syncs up the the visual and the sound so that your your editing works right. Now it's a dry erase board, and you change the uh the scene numbers and the take numbers on it as you go. I'd I'd ran the slate for a few shots. We got ready to do something different. I put the slate and the dry erase marker down on the coffee table where we were. We were shooting in an Airbnb in a living room. I set those things down. Uh, you know, people went about their business. Uh, Ty went to go do a wardrobe change. Uh, I think Adam went back with Ty and one of the lead actors. His, name's, his name was Max. Um, they were back in the bedroom, I think, re rehearsing a scene or talking about where I don't know what they were doing. We moved uh, the coffee table around to kind of change the camera angle and be able to get the shot they wanted. A few minutes had passed, and I, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I need to uh, get the slate and the marker so we can I can get ready to change uh, the scene number and the take number as we start this new shot. I pick the slate up off the coffee table, and the dry erase marker was nowhere to be found. I checked my pockets. I checked uh, underneath some of the things that were on the coffee table. I checked uh, the floor. I thought maybe the marker just rolled off. It's not under the coffee table. I checked my pockets again. I checked uh, on the couch. I checked in between the cushions of the couch. I checked now under the couch. I checked now under the rug under the couch. I checked my pockets again. I checked uh, every square inch of that living room and all I can think to myself is you fucking dummy there's one dry erase marker in the entire house I guarantee nobody has another one how the hell now <laughs> am I gonna write the scene numbers and the take numbers on the slate I had one job and I've managed to lose the goddamn dry erase marker and I can't fucking find it and everything's gonna be ruined and it's gonna be my fault I am not normally uh, a person who lives under a particular level of anxiety. I thought my head was going to fall off because I was so anxious because I thought this dry erase marker was gone. I checked every square inch of not only the living room where it should have naturally been. I checked the uh, secondary den that was kind of acting as the equipment space. I checked the kitchen where I'd sat down at some point. I checked the little bar area where we'd been putting drinks. I turned the house upside down everywhere that I had stepped. Now in my head, I'm thinking, 
Okay, so how lo- how fast can I get over to Walmart uh, from where we were and buy a new set of dry erase markers? And yes, I'm buying two because if I lose another one, then by God, I'm going to have a backup. About the time that I've I've convinced myself that I'm just going to go do it, everybody's come back and, and we've started to kind of gather up to get the next set of shots. Where I laid the dry erase of uh, the uh, slate on the bar, the dry erase marker is now standing up on its end right next to it. A, what a fucking relief. B, the only thing I can think is somebody picked it up and was... It may have, in fact, been Adam, and he may not even know if he'd done it or not. I I don't know. It doesn't matter. Somebody had it. They had to have had it. I was sweating bullets because I thought I had, you know, ruined slate use for the rest of the day until I could go get another one. I thought for sure I was never going to work on a movie set with Adam ever again. So hopefully, though, I get invited back. If Adam does another project here in town, I'd love to do that. Adam... I appreciate you having me and it was a ton of fun and I learned a lot and I would be happy to do it again if you needed some help. Okay, after Mark's anxiety attack, uh, let's move on to Amanda Haygood, who's been on a couple of podcasts lately. And Amanda asked, who inspires you and who do I look up to? Um, who inspires me? Mindy inspires me she has the biggest heart and the most giving spirit and she would drop everything to help you out in any way shape or form that's always who she is i strive to be more like that every day i don't always accomplish it i need to do better do better is like my favorite slogan now in the last 10 years here My kids inspire me because the uh, successful tracks that each of them are on. Um, You know, me and their mom broke up early in their lives. Uh, Ripley was three, and Charlie might have been one. Maybe not even that old. Um, They were little. But they are incredibly well-adjusted for the things that they've had to grow up uh, with and around and through. Um they are an inspiration. My uh, fellow LMK members, they're an inspiration. Their creativity and support um, couldn't do it without you guys. I will tell you that if your family and your friends aren't, if not the biggest inspiration, you know, they need to be a close second, uh, then you might need to reevaluate how things are going in your life. Uh, you need to associate with people who bring out the best of you who want the best for you and who do what they can to help you be the best you you can be if that's not happening you might want to take some stock who do i look up to um my mom not only because the uh you know i talked about how willing she is to help and how big her heart is earlier She's one of the smartest people I know. She's incredibly uh, community-oriented. So not only does she do... uh, You know, she retired a few years ago, two years ago. Um, She took over the uh, cemetery duties here in Wolferth. It was kind of a mess, and she works pretty hard to get that straight and keep it straight. She's on the economic development committee here in Wolferth. Um, she's a city council person here in Wolferth. She's got a street named after her here in Wolferth. So she's been a, a pillar of the community for a while. If you live here in Wolferth and you don't know who she is, it's probably because you've never uh, had an issue with <laughs> with anything uh, civically here in Wolferth. I also look up to people who accomplish things on their own terms through nothing but hard-ass work. Uh, That's not anybody specifically. That's just uh, folks who have an idea and work their tail off to put that idea in motion. There's no way to do it except to do it. If you've hung around me very long, you've probably heard me say that. 
you have to just make up your mind you're going to do something and do it. Actions always speak louder than words. Do it. Just do it. Take little baby steps. You want to learn to be a writer? Take a writing course. Well, you know, and if you don't want to do that, then just start writing. And it doesn't matter what it's about. Grab a pen and a piece of paper or do it on your laptop. Just write. And it doesn't have to make any sense. Just write. Then the ideas start coming. Then you can edit it and put it together. If you want to paint, paint. God dang it. Don't talk about it. Don't, you know, oh, I know, I wish, and maybe one day, and no, do it. Do you want to be a better parent? Yes, then do it. Be better. Do better. And it, you, baby steps. Uh, I'm just making shit up off the top of my head now. Don't talk about it. Be about it. I'm about that action. Like Marshawn Lynch, right? Don't talk about it. Be about it. Walk the walk. If you're going to talk the talk. Oh, my goodness. This went a lot longer than I thought. Um, I appreciate everybody checking in. Let's get out of here. I'm glad you stuck with me this long. This will technically be episode 52, which is a year's worth of episodes. No, this will be 51. We're almost at 52 then. I've got an idea about doing uh, something special for the anniversary and then, in all honesty, I'm going to take an extended break. <laughs> this is a lot of work, um, and I need a, a mental break. So thanks for checking in. Um, we'll come back to next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about yet, but hopefully it's awesome. <laughs>